0: So if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming. Man, and just welcome to the living room. And again, with the heartbeat behind all this, it's who told us church had to be a certain way? And so what we're doing is we're just doing church in a numerous different ways. Just the purpose is to reach people with Jesus. We just want to showcase and show off how wonderful this Jesus is. He's amazing, and we want to have everybody the opportunity to have an invitation, have a personal relationship with him. Amen, that's what we're here for. So if you haven't done that before, if you've done that for many years, well, it's time to get fresh in it again. And we're going to continue talking about that. So uh, this entire month, we've been talking about roots and getting rooted and getting established. Yeah, everybody say roots, you know, we get roots. And uh, man, we've just been talking about getting rooted, not just getting more information. I need more head knowledge and stuff. It's getting rooted in the truth that I already know. And that is vital. And that's what we've been doing. So again, we want to also welcome those that are joining us on Facebook Live or live Livestream. Heyo, welcome to the living room. We're glad that you're with us. Maybe you're not here in the building. We want to uh, give you a warm welcome as well. And uh, we're, we're glad that you came with us. And if you're from wherever, in, in Red Deer right now, it's minus like, what, 25? So just grab a coffee, grab your Bible, and let's, let's get into the Word together. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to continue on this. And uh, man, I, I've been stirred up by this. I don't know about you, but I, I've been so helped by God just to see some of these truths that I've heard all my life. I mean, I I grew up learning about faith. Anybody else grow up about learning about faith? Okay, one, again, three, three people. Somebody have no idea what I'm talking about. What's faith? Well, you're in the right place then tonight. And maybe you've heard a lot of things about grace. I mean, you've heard about a lot of things about grace. Yeah, man, I've heard a tons of things. And so what's so cool to really realize, and this is the thing that the Lord's been helping us, is that they're not necessarily two separate topics, they actually come together as one. And just what Jamie said before she was bringing our kids down, is that it's a conversation between God and us, and what does it look like? It's a conversation of grace and faith. And that's what we're going to go into a little bit more this this evening, is we're going to talk a little bit more about faith. And before we do that, I want to lay a real s- solid foundation for the, some of this because I was just again praying for this weekend services and you, you just it's so cool that when you spend time praying for this church family, how much really you, God enlarges your heart. We love this church. We love you. We love you. We love you. And it's so cool to see not only everybody that's helping, serving, making the vision come to pass, but that you call this place your home. We don't take that lightly. We don't take that for granted. and we're, so, we're so blessed to be on this journey and in this life with you going forward. And so Colossians chapter 2, and you see it on the screen, if you didn't bring a Bible, how many brought a Bible with you? Yeah. So if you got your Bible, open it because you want to put your eyes on it. And if you didn't bring a Bible, well, you could have. You just didn't. All right. So Colossians 2 verse 6 says this. And again, why is it so important just to see it in your own Bible? It's, it's just vital that your eyes see it on your own pages so you know that I'm not making it up as we go along. Colossians 2, verse 6, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must... Everybody say, you must. Yeah. You must. You must continue to follow Him. Verse 7, Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then... Everybody say, then. Yeah. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now again, just looking back to these verses... How do I get rooted in the Word of God? How does my life, how do I get built up on Him? And I want to just answer that question, because as I was praying about this this, for this upcoming weekend, just these questions come in just into my mind. So maybe you didn't even have this question, but maybe maybe you did. And if you did, that's great. We're going to answer that a little bit. But how do I get rooted in the Word of God? The, The number one way to get rooted in the Word of God, it begins here. I mean, there's many steps after this, but it begins here by making a quality decision. You will not be rooted, you can never be established apart from making a quality decision, and this is the decision. The decision to live only by what God says. This is the decision that we have to start on, this is where it all begins. If you're saying, I wanna be rooted, I wanna have, see my life established, I wanna start seeing results, I want my life to be built on him, it doesn't just accidentally happen on people, it is actually intentional. And the number one way that you and I, this is why we get started, is we have to make a quality decision. Anybody ever made a quality decision before? Yeah, man, I remember, okay, I'm gonna marry Jamie. That was a quality decision, and I ain't going back on it. And it's a decision that I've made no matter what it looks like, no matter what comes my way. I'm married to the woman, come hell or high water, I am in this thing. It's a decision that I've made, and I'm not going out of it. Well, it's the same thing that you have to make this quality decision about the Word of God that what God says is my final authority. I'm going to live on what He said. Can we say that together? I'm gonna live on what He said. This is the decision that you have to make. Nobody can make this for you, nobody can force this on you. It's a decision that you can only make, right? Okay. Again, what am I saying? The Word is my only source. Because if you really think about it, ask yourself this question, Who's calling the shots in your life? Why do you do what you do? Right? If you just actually just stopped and thought about it for a minute Why and who's calling the shots in my life? Why do, I make the decisions? why do I make the decisions that I make? What's calling it? What's the basis for this decision? So you have to stop going around checking in with everyone's opinion What other people think about it You might even have to stop caring about if people approve of you or not That was a big one for me Man, I have to finally, rather than, you know, if, if, are people going to like me if I step out on the word of God? If, I, if I'm actually going to start believing, if I'm going to start tithing, I'm going to start believing this is what God said, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to approve of me? I have to let that go. Forget about it. It's not worth it. So this is, again, part of all decision that you have to make and count the cost on it. See what it's going to cost you because you, you go in deep with God and he will take you. Now, making the choice to live by what God says is the smartest thing that you can do. Absolutely the smartest. Why? Because the word of God, the book that you have on your lap, first of all, we know it's a living thing, but it has never changed and it has stood the test of time. It never needs to be updated. I mean, you get newspapers. I mean, newspapers are kind of outdated now, but constantly in your newsfeed or something, if you swipe right and check out that little area, if you got the news that come up, every day it has to change. Why? And it's even having to update you on things that have already happened. Right? So it's constantly updating because new information is coming. New stuff is coming. But the Word of God has never once changed. It doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be updated because this is the ultimate truth. Here it is, right here, on your and my lap. Like, Aren't you thankful for it? Man, it's amazing that we have it. So and I want to just give you a couple characteristics of the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, I want to show you, because again, this is the decision that you're making. I honestly believe this with all my heart, that this is what separates, oh, how do I say this, radical Christianity from just mere Christianity. Man, I don't know about you, but I I want, I'm, I'm all in. I'm not looking just to kind of dip my toe in this. I want the whole thing. Everything that Jesus came and died for, I want it all. He paid a pretty big price to get me back. He paid a very big price to, you know, have the life that I'm having now, but I want it all. And it, again, not by accident, you got to go for it. You got to want it. You got to go after it. Because God isn't just okay with if he, uh, Even if He doesn't want it, I'm just going to give it to Him. No, He gives you free will, He gives you choice. So it's all up to you or I. But I want you just to see 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is what the emphasis that God even puts on His Word. It says all Scripture. So everybody say all. all. So if you look through this Bible, it means Old Testament, New Testament, the maps, all Scripture. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. Now, notice what it does. What does the Word of God do? It teaches us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Did you know that there are things that may be wrong in our lives that need correcting? We're not always right, and that is not politically correct. <laughs> Everybody can have an opinion. No, this is right. Everybody's right. No, there's a lot of wrong people out there. So what's the, the only thing that can point us to truth? Is the Word. It's the only thing that we got. Continue on. It goes on to say, it what? Oh, come on now, somebody. What, what does that say? It, correct. it corrects. I know I, I put a stool here because i got to remember. This is a living room. I've just got to keep it cool. But every once in a while, i got to stand up because it's you can't take the preach out of the preacher. It's just It's in there. I can't help it. It says it corrects us. Now, we might as well get used to it. We might as well enjoy it. We might as well take on the attitude of, I am going to get corrected. Can you see that? Because just because I'm living my life, everything's good, doesn't automatically mean that every way that you go is correct. So we have to make room for the Word of God to correct us. I constantly, in my prayer time, it's not just, okay, God, I'm going to spend some time with you and tell me how good I am. No, Lord, I'm opening up myself. If I need correction in my life, Jesus, you have full reign to correct me. And we need that in the body of Christ because it's not that God is trying to look for bad in you. That's never his intention. He corrects you so that you can become more like Jesus. That's the whole heartbeat behind it. So I don't know about you, but I want to look like Jesus to the fullest, whatever that, whatever it needs shaving off me, I am willing to get corrected. Okay, I can sit back down now that I've said that part. All right, it corrects us when we are wrong and then it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it, talking about his word, to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work so how is God going to train you and I to do what he's called you to do it's through his word so people think oh it's through trials, it's through hard times, it's through all these nasty things that go on in the world that's not what the Bible says I've never seen a scripture yet that God says he takes the trials, he takes the hard times to teach you something sure you can learn a lot out of it, you might as well take advantage of it but. According to what the word of God says, the trials and the persecution, the reason that they come is because you got the word and the devil wants the word out of you. That's why they come. God's not doing anything to test you. Come on somebody, you need to hear this. That's not his heart. How does he train us? How does he develop us? God uses it. What's the it? It's the word. He uses the word to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. So his word is what he uses. So again, not only does his word give you goosebumps, I mean, thank God for those times, but there's been times where I go, ooh, that, that challenges my thinking. That goes against my theology. That goes against what I've heard. Anybody ever had that before? Good, you gotta be challenged on that. Why do you believe what you believe? If it's not lined up with the word, then you gotta throw it out. If somebody just kinda gave you something and it sounds christian don't just eat it and put it all over Facebook. Check it out. <laughs> People just take those Christian saying and go, oh yeah, this this is good, it must be God. Not necessarily. And I won't get into that, but I got a plethora of them in my back pocket if you ever want to talk about it. I'll give you one. Let go and let God. Sounds Christian, and there's some truth in this side of it, but a lot of times when I've heard people use it in context, just let go and just let God take care of it. According to what I read in my Bible in 1 Timothy, he says, lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold to the scriptures. I don't see any about letting anything go. I see it about, hang on to what you've been taught. Anywho, that's for another day. But I, I'll i let that go. I'm sitting. Joel, you're sitting. You're in a living room. You're sitting. It's all good. <laughs> Next, I want you to, sh- just to show you, is um, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Um, no, Micah? Can you go to Malachi? Did I put Micah on the screen? Well, don't look at that. Doesn't That doesn't help. Now the night will close. <laughs> that that won't help you but malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 it says i am the lord i do not change and we know the lord to be the word god and his word are one and again in hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever man isn't that good news that the same god that we see in the old testament The same God that we see in the gospels, the same God that we see through the epistles is the same God today, he has not changed. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's gonna be the same tomorrow. So you can, this is again, going back to the quality decision, you can make a quality decision that I'm going to live my life based on everything that he says. Now just think about that for a moment. That's really what makes the difference between us, right? People that are seeing results in their life, and people that are just kind of you know, hoping things will work, pan out for them. There's a big gap, and what is the gap is, you and I, we are taking the Word of God, and we are making a decision that everything that He says in His Word, I'm not just going to hear it, but I'm going to act on it. So can we honor the Word? Let me just encourage you in your own personal life, when you make a decision, put an emphasis on the Word of God. You know the, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2 that God says, I will honor those who honor me. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to lift up his word big time in my life. I'm going to honor his word. When God says something, anything that you see that's going around, that people got debate on this and people got opinions on that. If you can train yourself to go, what does the word say about this? What is the word? I'm not into any kind of political debate. It's not about debate. It goes about what does God say? Because what he says, it's what's truth. I don't care what's popular, I don't care what the masses say about it, what does He say about it, that's how I'm going to live my life. And you know what, you will be unpopular, because a lot of times people don't want to live by truth. Well, that's different for you and I, this is how we live. We live by what He said. So we're going to make that quality decision in in our life. Uh, The next thing we've been talking I'm going to go over this for about two minutes here, three minutes, but uh, we've been talking about I've been transferred. And this is where it all comes out just talking about grace and what grace has provided, what grace has done for us. So in Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, it says this, For he has, everybody say with me, he has. He has what? Rescued who? Us. Us. Okay, make it more personal. He's rescued who? Me. Me. He's rescued me from what? The kingdom of darkness. And then what did he do? He transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now what did He do at the same time, verse 14? He purchased our freedom and He forgave all of our sins. Now what I want to notice is at the same time, when you see these words, go back to 13 for a moment with me. It says, He has rescued us from the kingdom. Don't just think, okay, I'm saved from hell and I'm going to heaven. That's absolutely true. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you've been saved from hell and you are going to heaven. But it doesn't just mean that. What this literally means is, I've been rescued from the domain, from the rulership, from the authority of darkness, and now I'm placed under the rulership, the leadership, and the authority of the kingdom of God's dear Son. I've transferred. I'm out of kingdoms. I'm not just in darkness. I'm over here, right? You can see that. Okay. So one of the things we talked about when we saw is that if I'm out of darkness, where did I get transferred into? Light. Okay. If I'm out of sickness, what am I into? Health. If I'm, if I'm out of poverty, where? Can you see this now what is how does darkness operate if i'm out of fear hey I'm in, I'm in peace if i'm in no there's hatred there's just anger there's all this going on here what do i have on this side i got peace and the major thing we talked about is i've been taken out of sin and now i've been placed into what righteousness and so we talked about this very you know good amount of time last week so if you didn't get a chance to see it we have it all on our website Go go hear it because this this will change the way you see yourself. This is the way you will change the way you live. Is because you are no longer a sinner saved by grace. Got to get that out of your thinking. That's not who you are. You were a sinner. Yes, we all were. But we were saved by grace. Doesn't mean now we are stayed sinners. Now we've been transferred out and we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You are right. Remember we talked about, we said, I'm with him. Right? Whenever, you know, God could look at you and say, well, why are you here? Talk about heaven. Well, I'm with him. Absolutely right. Everything, we said this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus, who knew no sin, he was made to be sin for us, So that we who knew no righteousness could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. This is who you are. And again, we discussed this. Hebrews 5.13 talks about the difference between those that are spiritual babies and those that mature in their spirituality is they have a mindset, a consciousness of I am right. So if I want to grow up spiritually, what do I have to do? I have got to get this ingrained in my thinking that I am right before God. He looks at me as if I've never done a thing wrong. Isn't that wonderful news? He looks at you right now this evening and goes, I find no fault in you. Isn't that the best news? He sees you and he's like, but you don't know my past. Jesus' blood completely, not just covered it, he wiped it out. So you are completely free to stand before God and say, I have no sin. Just say that with me. I have no sin in me. But what did I I just do something before I came to church? It's not about what you do or don't do. This is the consciousness we have to get this in our thinking. I am right. When I get that, I'm going to do right. If I still see myself as a sinner, guess what? You will continue to sin. This is the whole. This is the epistles that we see over and over. Is Paul's trying to get you a brand new paradigm shift? You are not a sinner. You're no longer under that. You've been taken out of that, and you are now in the kingdom of God's dear son. You are right. Okay, and these are the four verses that we saw. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, what does it say at the very end? But the just shall live, how? By faith. faith. Everybody say, by faith. faith. Man, pretend it's your own living room. By faith. faith. And we would yell this out. We yell this out all the time. Jason Max, how do we live? By By faith. They just squirt, squeal it out in any possible way that they can. This is how we live. Next verse is in Romans 1:17, "For the righteous in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith to faith. That is it written: "The just shall live by faith. This is how we live." Galatians 3:11 says, "But there is no one justified by the law, the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith." And the last one is Hebrews 10:38. He says, now the just shall live by faith. So, the question we want to answer this evening, I'm not going to get so deep into this talking about, okay, how does faith work? We're going to work our way to that. But I want to start off this evening by just discussing why faith? Other than you just saw the just shall live by faith, but why faith? Anybody ever had that question before? Why faith? (laughs) Can it all just be by grace? Why faith? Well, if we get time, and I, I hope we do, We'll see, we'll see if we'll get all to it. But I want to lay this out first. This faith is not a doctrinal position. Faith is not a movement. Faith is not a denomination. Faith is a way of living. I, I really want you to see this. Because I mean, I, I grew up, of course, in what people would call the word of faith circles. And I mean, that's so, yeah, we're part of that branch. We, are a, we, be, we believe in grace. We operate by faith. That's who we are. Absolutely. But a lot of times people kind of just say, oh, that's a word of faith movement. It's not about a movement. It's about operating and living according to what God says we're supposed to live by. It's not just a movement, it's not just a group of people that believe this way, or this is how we do it. The whole body of Christ is called to live this way, right? Now I'm thankful, This this is my roots, this is what I grew up in. I'm thankful that I got this teaching. I'm so grateful, but we're gonna get a little bit more into this, because again, as it's a way of living, it's a way of life. It's a way of speaking, it's a way of responding, and it's the only way to deal successfully in any area of life is living by faith. Because what's the other option? <laughs> Fear, live by your five physical senses. Now I want you just to think for a moment, when you hear this live by faith, this should excite you. Because what God is doing, he's given you a brand new opportunity to live beyond your five physical senses. He's giving a lifestyle for you that's a lifestyle that he operates in. Like, this is living, man. This is a whole new way of living compared to... Remember how it was before you? What did you live like? Well, maybe I'll just... I'll tell you in case you didn't want to don't want to know. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll just tell you real quick. He said, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit that works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. How? Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. That's how we lived. <laughs> Remember that day? I mean, in the Bible, actually, in the Message Bible in Ephesians 2, he says, you let the world, who doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. The world should not be telling us. When I say world, I talk about the system, the world and how it operates. It should not be dictating to us Christians how to live. Come on, somebody. Nobody in the world realm should be telling me, Joel, how to live my life, what to do with my money, what to do with my health care system, what to do with my children. Who is that for? That comes from the Word of God. I have to go there because I'm out of darkness and I'm in light. Again, we discussed this. What makes it frustrating for Christians is when I'm in the light, but I live like I'm in the darkness. It's very frustrating for Christians, right? Okay. So why faith? Everybody say, why faith? Are you ready? I'm going to just lay out the the three reasons, and then we'll break these these down. Number one, it's how our Father functions. So why faith? Why talk about faith? Why live a life of faith? Because it's how God himself lives. This is how he operates. Number two, faith is the only way to please God. You can't please him any other way. You can't pray long enough. You can't go to church enough. It's faith is the only thing that pleases him. And thirdly, the lastly, is if I don't live by faith, I frustrate the grace. So those are the three reasons. Number one, God himself, our Father, functions this way. Number two, it's the only way to please God. And number three, if I don't live by faith, I actually frustrate the grace. And I don't want to do that. Anybody? I don't want to do that. Okay, so number one, let's just break this down. And I know this may sound kind of elementary to you. Good. Well, we're going to get really ingrained in it so that anybody asks you, why do you live by faith? Uh, Because my church does? No. (laughs) We live by faith because our Father operates this way. This is how He does things. (laughs) I just love that. Our Father operates and functions by faith. It's how He creates things. Everything He does is successful because He operates by faith. And we, being His children, are commanded to live just like Him by faith. So here's the example. I'm going to give you two examples within this one. Is The first one is obviously creation. So I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, and I have it on the screen there. But it says here, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? I, I know you've read these scriptures before, but I, I've I've read these numerous times. But it's really starting to hit me more and more. The world that I live in, came into existence because God said something everything that we see the sunshine we enjoy everything we got the moon that we see at nighttime the stars everything about the air that we're breathing the trees that we see outside is a result of faith-filled words spoken and here it is that's how he did it ah! isn't that awesome your existence it wasn't just your parents had a great date. There's more to it than that. I mean, thank God for those great dates, but man, there's got to be more to that. And you actually see, by faith, we understand that the worlds, and if you look that in the Greek, it actually means eons or ages, that the ages. So he saw 2019 and he saw us here. He called us by name and laid it all out. That the worlds are framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So what is that saying? Things that we now see were made of things that aren't visible. So what came first, the spirit or the natural? The spiritual realm is first. And so again, I want to just lay this out, Psalm 33, 1-9, through nine. the psalmist says, let the godly sing for joy to the Lord, it is fitting for the pure to praise Him. So that's why we sing. <laughs> praise the Lord with the melodies of the lyre, make music for Him on the 10-string harp, anybody play a 10-string harp? No? Emma, come on, girl. You got those good fingers. I'm sure we got something. Okay. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. There's another reason why. Okay. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born he assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him verse 9 for when he spoke the world began it appeared at his command now I know we know this but man if you could just stop for a second really think how did God create the world that he wanted and had in his heart he spoke it that's all he did he just used his words and out it came now I want you to go to Genesis I don't have it on the screen to follow along with me, but I want to just take a moment just to show you what, what he did. <laughs> Anybody amazed by God? Like, I spend time just in the Word. I go, man, like, God, you're, you're amazing. I don't know about you, but the, one of the first things that I want to see, when I you know, other than chest-bumping David and high-fiving Jesus, I want to ask God, Lord, can you show me creation? I, I want to see this part of it. To me, it's so intriguing. And it says in verse 1, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God... Right off the bat, there it is. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. Verse three. What does he just say? Then God said. Can you? I'm reading on the New Living. So if you're following in your phone, God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Look at verse four. And God saw. What did he do first? God. Said, God, saw. Let's say it with me. God said, then he saw. So just kind of a question. It's not a complicated one. So if God operates this way, how does God want us to operate? We. Say, see. Not see, say. Say, see. <laughs> okay, look at verse 6. Then God I just want you to see that. Like, I have it popped up in my Bible. God said something. And I look at verse 7. And that is what happened. Okay? Look at verse 9. Then God said. And next, if you go to the next slide. And. Come on, say it with me. And that is what happened. <laughs> I watched I watched this recently. I don't know, but I've just... It's uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Now, I don't know if you call me or whatever. I like that movie. And uh, number two, I just saw number two like a little while ago. Man, that's so good. And you know that the, the dad, Gus, I guess his name? There you go. Right? There you go. There you go. You tell, me, you tell me a word and I show you it's in Greek. And there you go. And I can see God just going. And I said, there you go. So if anybody's ever got something to say, well, we got to just go like, well, I believe that, you know, we all come from monkeys. God said and God saw, there you go. That will solve any kind of debate right off the bat. You just, you give them some Greek. There you go. And you got to say it with a little bit of a Greek accent. That helps too. <laughs> okay, again, look at verse uh, 11. God said, and then later on, you see that at the very end of it happened. That is what happened. <laughs> just for time's sake, you can see it all throughout Genesis chapter 1. You see God said and then it happened but when he came to you and I verse 26 I mean all this he had an image he had a vision on the inside of what he saw the world what he saw the stars and the galaxies to look like but when he came to verse 26 and he's talking about let us make man now he didn't have the image on the inside of him he became the image right can you see the look at verse 26 then God said let us talking to the three of them let us make man in our image to be like us, and they will reign over all the creation. Do you see that? So rather than like you know, God creating this, you know, the animals and all that, that was an image he had on the inside. But when God created us, he was the image. He took himself and said, Now I'm, I'm basically reproducing myself in mankind. So now that's how he created us. That's just who we are. Right? I don't know about you, but I just think it's wonderful. This is how our Father operates. He said, and then there you go. Let's just simplify. We'll just make it more, you know, rather than new living. There you go. We'll put some Greek on it. All right, the next thing I want you to show is, uh, example number two is just Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, turn over there for a quick moment. Because as you, any of you guys ever before, you, you flip on or you go into to a different country and you turn on the TV, maybe you've been to Mexico or you've been to Europe somewhere uh, or even, you know, go to Quebec and they're speaking French on TV. And if you don't speak that language, uh, it can be very frustrating just to watch TV. Unless you're watching soccer, you basically can understand. Soccer is a universal language. Anybody can understand it, especially when they, somebody scores in Mexico. I've been to a Mexican. And when they score, go and they can carry it on for like moments, man. So I'm like, okay, I can talk that language. But every once in a while you turn on like there's a you know a TV show or something like that, a game show is on. I have not a clue. And I want to learn it so bad. Well, the same way, God doesn't speak unbelief. He doesn't speak worry. He doesn't speak anxiety. He doesn't understand that language. So when you're going, you know, you're hanging out in Mexico and you're, por favor, and you know, my name is Correa. And you start doing your thing. And I started saying some things in Spanish. Even last week, and you know, there's a girl from Mexico that was there. I said it to her and she looked at me like... I'm like, girl, I'm speaking Spanish. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm speaking Spanish. (laughs) Can't be me. It's got to be you. Well, you know, the same thing when you start, God, why is this happening? God goes, baby, I I can't understand a word that you're saying. I I don't understand that language. That's not how he speaks. What language does God speak? He speaks faith. That's the language that he speaks. He doesn't know worry. Right? So when we say, no no comprende, God goes, no... No, why no? I don't I don't understand fear. I he doesn't operate that way. So when we go to God, oh God, why is this? God's going, I I literally have no idea what you're saying. Can you see that? Because he doesn't speak that language. He speaks faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, you know, that's kind of old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I'll I'll read it on the screen. Verse 2. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham Look what it says, for I have, I have made you a father of many nations. That's who he was. He said, I've called you. You are a father of many nations. Now notice verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. What is God doing? What is He saying to this 99 year old man who couldn't have kids in his 30s, in his 50s, 40s, 20s? Couldn't have nothing. God is saying to this 99 year old man, I have made you a father of nations, many nations. Wow. So, what is God doing? He's just, this is normal to God. This is how He speaks. And again, what's the proper response when you hear that? I believe it. (laughs) For 99... Go to Romans chapter 4. Just slip over there for a moment. In verse 17, it says, As it is written, this is again talking, Paul is referring back to Abram. And he's saying, this is what God said. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead. And look, what, what does God do? He calls... Those things which do not exist as though they did. So some of you may be wondering, man, I'm just, I don't understand God. Not with a carnal mindset, you never will. You won't understand God until you start to learn how he operates. How does he operate? He calls things which are not as though they were. Abram, Abraham, 99 years old. You are a father of many nations. Like... If God were, you know, if just, you know, he was to stand right here in front of me and just to say, you know what, Abram, yeah, you're 99 years, you are a father of many nations. Natural people would just go, are you, are you crazy? 99 years old, that's way past the time of having children. I even heard this just recently. There's a a gentleman that I know, he's a little bit older in age. I won't give you the number just in case somebody's that age. But uh, he's older than I am, which isn't really hard to do. He's older than I am, but he actually, he just had a little boy. So he's two. He's got a little two-year-old boy. And he came up to me and he just said, raising kids is a young man game. I said, man, yeah, I can see that. You look exhausted, man. You look beat. So this guy, I mean, this guy's, you know, got at least 25 years on me. And uh, now God is saying, you're going to have a baby. 99 years old. And what did he do? Oh, God, I, I don't even know if I, he said, I believe it. Abraham believed God. And what happened? And you continue on reading in Romans chapter 4. I won't go there for time's sake. But he held on to that word and said, I believe it. And what came to pass? He had a he had a son, Isaac, that came from Sarah, not talking Ishmael. He had a son that came from the promise from Sarah. There it was. There he is, Isaac. Isn't that amazing? All oh, he did, he held on to it. But I just want to again, why faith? It's because this is how God operates. He calls things which do not exist as though they do. So he says to you, By your by my stripes you are healed. Okay, what is he doing? He's calling those things which may not exist in me right at this moment as though it already does. That's how he sees you. He sees you healed. He sees you blessed. Now we go, well, I don't see it, because you're on the wrong, you're on the wrong. Dialed, you know, I don't know another better word. You're, you're on the wrong zone. You're thinking it from a very natural point of view. You've got to look at it with the eyes of God and go, Oh, okay, I'm just going to come up. Oh, that's how he sees me. Okay, yeah. He's coming from a completely different standpoint. Right? Second Corinthians 5, 7. I don't know if I have that. I do. For we walk by faith and not by sight. When you read this, I want you to see this. There's two types of living right here. We walk by faith not by sight. Now, that doesn't mean you don't use your sight when you walk across the street. That's not what it's saying. How you live your life, again, we live our life based on what God says. What does He say about my situation? That's what I'm going to hold on to. Okay? Uh, just for time's sake, I'm going to just go down to number two. And I'm going I'm to... We'll finish this next week. But number two, faith is the only way to please God. Say that with me. Faith is the only way to please God there is not another way you can't please God by your good works, you can't please God by being a good person, you can't please God by you know paying your tithe every, every week, you can't pay please, you know, please God by showing up to church on a regular day, you can't please God just in and of itself doing those duties, but with faith, I can please him in everything that I do, so look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6 it says this by faith, everybody say by faith If you read the whole Hebrews 11 chapter, you are going to see live examples of men and women just like us who pleased God with their actions because they did it based on what He said. Remember, grace speaks first. Faith is a response, right? And so right here we say, by faith. So obviously, in order to do something by faith, what had to happen first? Grace had to say something, right? By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Oh. oh, that's pretty cool. And was not found because God took him. Man, I think he just, got, God and him had such a great time. And Enoch just, man, God, I love you. And they spending all this quality time together. And God is just like, I had enough. I, Enoch, I want to be with you all the time. Come here, come to my house and play with me for a little while. So bam, here comes Enoch. And up he goes and here he is. And it says, before he was taken, now this is a testimony I want from my own life. He had this testimony that he pleased God. I'm not interested in just pleasing people. I want to please God. And how do I please God? By faith. Because listen, when you start doing things by faith, you will not always please people. Let's be honest. If you're going to live this faith lifestyle, you cannot look for everybody's approval because they're not going to approve of your lifestyle. Because living by faith is radical. Living by what the Word of God says is crazy to the natural man. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That God took the wisdom of the world and He, you know, he actually gets people saved, brought into His kingdom through the simplicity of teaching and preaching the Word. When the world thinks, you got to do this, you've got to do this, He brings it so simple and He makes it so subtle. But this is how He is. But notice this, verse 6. You're going to say it with me? Without faith... It is hard to please God. No, no, no. It is impossible to please God. Kind of like doing push-ups with no arms. <laughs> Anybody ever do a push-up without an arm? It's impossible to do push-ups with no arms. Well, this is what he's saying. It is impossible to please God without faith. It can't be done. It is, say it with me, impossible. You can't find another way to please Him. There is no other way but than living by faith. Now notice this. This is the very beginning, how we see, to start seeing it in our life. For he who comes to God, notice this, must believe. Everybody say, must believe. believe. There's some musts in your life that you've got to have. You must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Okay? So... Now if you actually, I mean, I've spent some time just studying this out a little bit. Hebrews eleven six. if you look at it this way, God is not pleased when I'm not receiving from Him. Because what is faith? It's a response to grace. Now if you actually just sit on this a little bit, think about this for, for, for a sec. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is my only response to grace. So when grace says, by my stripes, you are healed. If I'm not receiving from that grace, it hurts. It's frustrating for God. You, you may think, oh man, like, how come I'm not just seeing it happen in my life? You think you're frustrated. God is. The one who is the greatest giver of all time is not able to get something to you. That is very frustrating. And so you may be going, oh, what's going on? God has got it way more. But notice this, but it actually... God is not pleased when I'm not receiving. He's not pleased when I'm hurting. He's not pleased when I'm not living in victory. He's not pleased when I'm depressed. He's not pleased when I'm struggling. Can you believe that? No, just, I mean, think think about that. I encourage you, meditate on this scripture this week. He's not pleased when I'm hurting. He's not pleased when I'm struggling. That's not who our God is. But He is pleased when I'm receiving. He is pleased when I'm living a victorious life. He is pleased when I'm blessed. He is pleased when I'm happy, free, and successful. Why? Because I'm receiving from Him. That's who He is, right? So to stay hooked up with God, I need to be operating by faith. Stepping into fear and unbelief unhooks us from God. Unhooks us every single time. So I want to just lay this out real quickly. I've got five minutes left. But the must factor. Having a relationship with God and pleasing God requires a belief that you and I must believe. If you want to see you have a relationship with God, there's some musts in your life. And I'll give you an example. Coming into the kingdom of God, if you were to talk to somebody who's not in the kingdom of God yet, in Romans chapter 10, I think I have the example on here, verse nine, I don't know if I do or not. Romans 10, I know I don't, okay. But it says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, in order to be saved, what must you believe? If you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What must you believe in order to come into the kingdom of God? You must believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. You can't just get anybody to say, Oh, I believe this and I believe that. There's some musts in the Bible that you have to believe. And one of them is salvation. You must believe that, Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead. How many of you believe that? Now, by believing that, it means you are saved. Well, same way in having a relationship with God. Look again at Romans, uh, Hebrews eleven six. You must believe that He is And you must believe that he is a rewarder. You have to believe that. There's no option. And I'm gonna just, let's break this down. (laughs) These two beliefs are not optional. He's not suggesting that we believe these things. Rather, we are told very bluntly that if we are going to please our Heavenly Father, we must believe that he is and he's a rewarder. It doesn't say to see if he is and to see if he's a rewarder. Starting a relationship with God with a mentality We've already started on the wrong foot with this relationship. So, here's number one. We must believe that He is. He is. We, move, we need to move from a place to where God, He was a wasser to He is an izer. We kind of think, oh, you know, God did this before. God was, you know, He did heal in the past. God was the healer in the Old Testament. God was healer in the New Day to now God is the healer. You have to even just watch your terminology and stuff for yourself. God was a blesser. No, God is a blesser. You know, God was a healer. No, God is a healer. I believe that he is today what he said that he is. I believe that God is the caretaker. I believe that he did do that in the past. He's still doing that today. So regardless of what situation you may be facing, you have to come and approach him saying, you are my answer for what I need right now. You are my healer today. You are my deliverer. You are my restorer. If a marriage is in crisis, you are the restorer of my marriage today. Not you were. I've seen you do in the past. Or one day you can do that. We've got to make our sure our tenses right. This is who he is right now. I got it right now. Right? Then, go on to say, I must believe that he is a rewarder. You know, the Lord just said this to me, actually. He said, faith is convinced of benefit. When you are trusting God, you are convinced that you will benefit from that. I'm convinced every time that I even spend time with the Lord, I am going to be better off. Some good's coming my way because He is a rewarder, right? I fully believe that when I seek to know Him, He will reward me with Himself. I mean, I have to just stop and look at my life for a sec. I have a wife who loves God, number one. I have a wife who loves me secondly. I got three amazing kids. When we, you know, it took us a while to get pregnant, it took us a few years. I mean, just to find out if there's anything, you know, naturally wrong that we need to maybe change our diet here. There was there anything going on? It took us a while to get all those things. But then Jamie and I, we laid a hold of the promises that He had. Lord, we are seeking You. We are pursuing Your call that You have for us. We're going wholeheartedly at You. We believe for rewards coming our way. It belongs to us. I remember hearing this. I think it's just. I mean many times over a lot of people that are in this camp say this that payday with God always comes it may not be tomorrow but it always comes I believe that now again this isn't just oh you know it'd be nice if he did reward me you're you're on the wrong foot right away I have to believe that he's a rewarder he's a rewarder of good things every single time I pursue him I get the best of him you gotta believe that He's not going to just half do it, half, you know, hang around you. He's going to give you his whole entire self. I <sighs> feel good? That helped a little bit? We'll, we'll finish it off uh, next week. And then in two weeks, we're actually going to have a, just a worship night. We're going to just spend some time just worshiping the Lord. It'll be a, a good time together. Uh, but before we close, let's just...